0: 1 John chapter 5, as you find that you can stand, 1 John chapter 5 beginning in verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence which we have before Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. If anyone sees his brother committing sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. I'll pray. God, I thank you again for your word and, and all that you've given us um, for the certainty, Lord, the, that we have, that your word is true. Every word has been tested and found to be true, as it says. And we can have just, just absolute confidence, God, as we rest in what you have said and your trustworthiness. So I pray that you administer to us, God, that you would be exalted and that we would, in our hearts before you, God, give our amen to all that you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Well, I just read through this um, last portion here, First John chapter five, but I'm going to. Uh, my plan here is to kind of just drill down on verse thirteen a bit. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son that you may know that you have eternal life. Probably one of the um, most common. Um, experiences of the Christian life is people doubting whether or not they're saved. It's not necessarily a constant thing, it's not necessarily something that plagues every person, but probably most people sooner or later in their life, the thought crosses their mind, I wonder if I really am even saved or not. Some people struggle with it, said, more than others, and some just seem to be plagued with it um, throughout their lives. I came across one author who gave, there's five reasons why people sometimes doubt their salvation. And this verse is talking about being assured of our salvation. Sometimes it's because they can't remember when they received Christ. They just can't point to a particular time when that happened. Sometimes they question the process or the procedure that they went through because they may have been part of a church service or a camp um, when they were children that really stressed coming forward, raising your hand, putting a stick in the campfire, and they wonder if they were maybe just responding to something that was emotional. Sometimes they question, um, um, sometimes they struggle with certain sins, and they just came to continue to have the same struggles with the same sins, and they, have, and they wonder, am I even saved? Sometimes there's doctrinal misunderstanding and a lack of faith in the finished work of Christ. That's why just even going through communion again is so significant to be brought back to the, to the finality of what Jesus did on the cross. But probably most often the reason that people doubt their salvation, and maybe this sermon is not for you, but I guarantee you it'll be for somebody that you know. Probably the biggest reason that people are not sure of their salvation is that they have been wrongly taught that they should look to themselves and their works as the primary proof of their salvation. Patsy and I were um, at a funeral yesterday, and a, a friend of ours that we've known for 40 years, and um, it was a um, well-attended funeral. She's 90 years old. She'd lived a wonderful life. and But I'm telling you, I, I left there distressed. In fact, I told Patsy, I think maybe I should call up that pastor and take her to lunch and find out whether she even knows what it means to be saved. Um, There was a lot of talk about that woman's faithfulness to the church, and in fact, to their particular denomination. She was baptized in that denomination, and she died in that denomination, and that's the only denomination she'd ever been a part of. There was a lot of talk about her good works, of how she loved God, generic God, almost no mention the entire time of Jesus, much more mention about her church than there was of Jesus. And I left that, and I was sad for her. And I thought she would be so disappointed that people would leave this church and not know that she had placed her faith in Christ for salvation. And that the assurance that she had that she was in heaven was because of Jesus and what Jesus had said. And it had nothing to do with the way that she had lived her life. That was not her assurance for being saved. But I can tell you that pastor gave everybody, as well as even the family I felt, everybody in that room, we know this woman is in heaven because of the way that she lived her life. She was a good woman. That is sad. If that is my assurance that that lady is saved, then how can I be sure that I'm saved? Because she lived a really good life. And if my life has to measure up to her life, I can never be sure that I'm saved. In fact, if there's anything I have to do to make sure that I'm saved, how can I ever really be sure that I'm saved? Paul spoke to this in Romans chapter 4. And we're just going to look at a few verses here that talk about assurance of salvation and, and again, I, I, I hope this is something that you personally maybe do not need to hear, but others will. In Romans chapter 4, Paul wrote and said in verse 16, For this reason it, salvation, being declared righteous by God, for this reason it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants. Now, back in verse 5 of chapter 4, But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness, has nothing to do with what we do. It is 100% about what Christ has done and who he is, and we simply place our faith in him and what he has accomplished on our behalf. And because it has nothing to do with works, and it is 100% trusting Jesus, it is faith. Therefore, I can be absolutely certain of my salvation, because my salvation absolutely has nothing to do with what I am doing or not doing. When our kids were little um, and... Patsy, um, we had had four kids in four and a half years, and that was tough on Patsy. And consequently, it was tough on me. Um, Happy wife, happy life. And when the happy wife's not happy, life's not happy, right? And there were times when it was really tough. And and she would call me, and and she'd say, if you don't get home now, I'm not sure what you're going to find when you do get here. And so I would go running out of the office, and everybody in the office knew what was going on. (laughs) Charlie has to go rescue his wife, and so I'd run home. But there were a couple times when Patsy, the most godly woman I've ever known, would say to me, "I do not even know if I'm saved." I'm going, "Wow, my wife doesn't know she's saved." And so I would tell her, "Well, I know you're saved," and she goes, "Well, you don't know anything." I'm kidding, you never got to that, you know. But all I could do, I knew I couldn't point her to her works. Well, I know you're saved because you've always been such a wonderful, godly woman. That's not the foundation of our salvation. All I could do is point her to Jesus. If you've placed your faith in Christ, and I know you have, God's word says you are saved. So let's go back to here. And there's going to be a little bit of of review from last Sunday, but go back to 1 John chapter 5. And remember, this is all about the witness that God has given concerning His Son. And He's given three witnesses, it says in this chapter, the preceding paragraph in chapter 5. The witness of His baptism, the witness of His death, and the witness of the Holy Spirit. Remember? All of this bearing witness, what? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. All right? Now, verse 10, the one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his Son. And the witness is this. So what is God saying, testifying about Jesus? The witness is this, that God has given us Eternal life. And that life is in His Son. And that's pretty clear stuff. God has given us eternal life, not temporary life, not life that comes and that you can lose, eternal life. And that life is in His Son. Verse 12, He who has the Son has the life. So the assurance of salvation is the assurance that I have eternal life. Well if I have eternal life it's because I have Jesus. And how do I get Jesus? John chapter 1 verse 12 says as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God. Is just placing our faith in him and receiving him. That person has the son And has the life, eternal life. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have eternal life. Therefore, verse 13, these things, the things he's just said, should give us assurance. I have written to you these things who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. We don't know anything that can happen this year in 2020. Maybe we'll be going to go to war with Iran. Maybe the stock market's going to crash instead of continue to set all time highs. We don't know anything about today or tomorrow. But I do know this. If I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, God's Word says, I have eternal life. That means I'm saved. And there is no reason to doubt it because it's not based, that assurance is not based on me. It is based on him and his word. Absolute confidence. That's not pride and it's humility. The pride is saying I can't be sure. You can't be sure. You know better than God. Is your word more trustworthy than God's word? Is your experience a greater authority than God's word? it takes more pride to doubt your salvation than it does to accept your salvation and to be certain of it, because a certainty has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God and what He has said. Believe Jesus is the Son of God, Christ the Messiah and you have eternal life. So look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. John chapter 5, very simple, clear statement, verse 24. Truly, truly, more modern translations would say, most assuredly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has, not will have, has eternal life. At that funeral yesterday, I can't tell you how many times the pastor said, she, has now, she is now in life. She has now received life. She now has true life. I wanted to stand up and say, "No. She received eternal life the moment she placed her trust in Jesus. When she put her faith in Christ, at that moment she received eternal life, going to heaven was a change of location. That was all. She knew going to heaven was just a change of location. She knew she had eternal life before she ever went to heaven. It's sad. The one who believes in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Next chapter, chapter 6 of John, verse 47. Truly, truly, or most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Can't be more simple than that. It doesn't say he who believes and It says, he who believes has eternal life. He who believes and goes to church. Doesn't say that. He who believes and reads his Bible. Doesn't say that. Now here's where it gets really controversial. He who believes and repents has eternal life. Repentance is never mentioned in the Gospel of John. And it is the Gospel of John, of all four Gospels, is the Gospel of John that focuses on how we are saved. This was why John wrote this book, that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and believing we might have eternal life. And John never mentions repentance. Now, I believe that when you place your faith in Christ, you are turning from trusting something that you had been trusting, yourself, the church, whatever, and now you are trusting in Jesus. And so it seems to me that repentance is part and parcel with faith. If I'm trusting Jesus, it is because I'm not trusting something else. But I need to be careful, and I'm good with that, but when I say repentance is something separate, then it raises the question, have I repented of everything? Is there something I haven't repented of? Maybe I'm not sure of my salvation because I keep, thinking about things that I've not, never repented of, that I haven't confessed. And now salvation comes back to what I need to do. And it's not simply trust in Jesus, who he is and what he has done. It doesn't say that you the one who believes and continues to believe every moment, every day, to the day that he dies. It doesn't even say that. It says, he who believes has eternal life. John, we know, uses other synonyms for belief, to receive. In John 6, to eat, to drink. Also, to come. All of these things are different ways that John is just saying, place your faith in Christ. Believe that He is the Son of God who's given Himself for you, risen again from the dead, and you're saved. has nothing to do with what we do. Look at John chapter 20 where He gives His purpose statement for writing this book, which I just was quoting. John chapter 20 in verse 31. These things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah the son of God Jesus is God in the flesh and that believing that that you may have life in his name was Martha a believer Think on what, what John just said in that verse, that you, may, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now go to Matthew, sorry, John chapter 11, verse 25. Lazarus has died, and Jesus has come to the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha is a little disappointed. So is Mary, but Martha, you know, she, she's she maybe even a little ticked. And and she says in in verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he he will rise again in the future on the last day. And, And Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? And look what she responds. She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Exactly what John says in John chapter 20. Exactly, word for word. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. So according to John twenty thirty one. She is saved. Now, was she acting like it at that time? I don't think so. Because she's mad. And she's disappointed. But her confession is, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who comes in the world. And John 20, 31 says, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, then you have life. In His name. End of story. I want to um, really just was so encouraged and challenged by a couple of different authors that I was reading in preparation for this sermon, and um, and one in particular. I just want to read some of the statements that he makes. John simply did not believe that eternal life could be lost. There's no hint in John that you could lose your salvation. The assumption which underlies John's flow of thought is clearly this. To believe in God's Son as the appointed giver of eternal life, John 5, 11, 1 John 5.11, is to possess the Son and the life that he gives. First John 5, 12, and 13, we read those verses. Thus the one who believes God's testimony about his Son possesses within, within himself or herself the testimony, the Son, and eternal life all at once. All of this is extremely simple. There is absolutely no effort on John's part to add additional checks, tests, or verifications. The believer's assurance that he possesses eternal life is totally and unambiguously, ambiguously. I can't even speak, toward the truth that God says about his son. In that truth, he is invited to rest. Do you believe the truth concerning Jesus? And all John says is rest. Rest in who Jesus is. Notably absent from all this is the agonizing search which introspective believers often make in an effort to to be sure that they have really believed. John never says, search yourselves to make sure that you've really believed. Such a search is misdirected. We are not called upon to have faith in our faith. We are called upon to have faith in what God says about His Son. All efforts to find assurance somewhere else than in the testimony of God, are doomed ahead of time to dismal failure. If a person cannot find assurance from so straightforward a declaration as John 6.46, he who believes in me has everlasting life. If you can't find assurance in that, then he is clearly looking for assurance in the wrong places. For here, beyond doubt, Jesus offers a guarantee to every believer in Him. Take my word for it, He declares. When you believe, you have eternal life. One is tempted to marvel that in the face of such direct, uncomplicated declarations that so many evangelicals continue to struggle with doubts and lack of assurance. But wherever this is the case... The struggling soul is looking for something in his own experience, even in his own experience of believing, rather than looking to Christ in the sufficiency of his cross. To put it another way, such a person is not looking at God's testimony about his son or to our Lord's own words of promise to the believer. The reader of John's Gospel will note how often it is mentioned That the one who believes in Jesus has eternal life. Not once, however, does the inspired writer suggest that this guarantee can be disallowed if there are no good works in a believer's life. Not once. See, I read Martha and I go, I'm not sure she's a believer. I read about John the Baptist who says, are you the one or do we look for someone else? And what does Jesus says? I want to tell you, there's never been a greater man born of any woman than John the Baptist. Not once does John hint that we should look anywhere other than the Jesus for the assurance of our salvation. How can, this author writes, how can good works be indispensable to my certainty that I'm saved? Without works. I thought that's a good question. How can good works give me certainty that I am saved apart from works? Good question. Scripture infers, emphasis on infers, that believers will have good works. But there is no text of Scripture that categorically declares that all believers will always perform good works, much less that they cannot be sure of heaven unless they do. No text says that. Self and its experiences can furnish no solid focus for assurance at all. But Christ and His cross can. And God's word about these things can. It is only as we look beyond ourselves to God's unchanging truth that we can find firm ground for our personal assurance. If one does not believe he has eternal life. He does not believe what God has said in John 5:24 and 6:47. Believe and you shall be saved. The one who believes that Jesus is the son of God has eternal life. So it's kind of a hard way to put it, but I think he's correct. If a person does not believe he has eternal life, then he is not believing what God has said in his word. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you accept that witness that God is making concerning Jesus, the scripture says you have the Son and you have eternal life, and you can be absolutely sure of it. So if you're not sure, it's because you're not accepting what God has said in His Word. Once we have become preoccupied with what we imagine ought to be the effects of faith, we have destroyed the true focus of faith. We have withdrawn its gaze from the external and unchanging testimony of God and focused instead on the shifting testimony of our own hearts and lives. Having done this, we try to turn faith into something productive and effective, Faith, we decide, cannot be merely receiving the witness of God. It cannot be, we tell ourselves, merely standing on the promises of His Word. Surely it is not, we think, simply resting in who Jesus is and in what He guarantees. Even though we sing about standing on the promises of His Word. And we sing about resting in Jesus. The one who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, possesses eternal life. No one can believe this message without being saved, according to 1 John chapter 5. In fact, in 1 John 5 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. These are so simple and clear. I have sympathy in my heart for those that struggle with assurance. But I have frustration in my heart because it is so simple. And sometimes you go, how can you help this person when it is so clear and simple what God has said? Place your faith in Christ. Believe in Him. There is no other name that has been given by which men must be saved in the name of Jesus. And those who place their faith in Him shall be saved. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you have, at that moment, eternal life. God calls you His child. And this rests 100% on the certainty of God's trustworthiness. Not Charlie McCall's trustworthiness. The certainty of God's trustworthiness and his word. And I think you can see in that why it's so important to know that this book is God's word. Begin to doubt this, and I can see why people begin to doubt their salvation. And you can begin to see why the devil is so much wanting Christians to not have confidence in our Bibles. It is the word of God. And it is trustworthy in everything that God says. Not a single word will fail. It will all be fulfilled. God is not a liar. And he has repeatedly borne witness to these things. And so if I didn't know another person in life who professed faith in Christ, and all I had was a Bible, I could know with absolute certainty that I belong to him. Because God's word is absolutely trustworthy. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you have eternal life. Amen. Amen. I'll close us in prayer. Thank you, God, that this work something that does not at all depend upon us. We do not contribute to our salvation. We are just like infants that are capable of nothing but receiving. And it is only as we place our faith in Jesus to believe upon him and receive him that we become children of God, recipients of eternal life, because Jesus is life. And to have Jesus is to have eternal life, never to be lost and not in the least dependent upon us. Thank you, God, for this great gift that you've offered to us. I pray, God, when the doubts come, that we would not look to ourselves of whether we are really saved or not, but that we would look to Jesus and your word and stand on the promises of God and rest in the assurance of who Jesus is and what your word says. In Christ's name, amen.